Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood, and in this newest episode, I'm joined by my friend of several years who's also a familiar face on the digital nomad circuit. Derek and I met by chance a few years ago in the 18A alleyway in Saigon at a coffee shop, and then we met again in Chiang Mai. We recently reconnected in Bangkok, Thailand, uh, and I'm so excited to have Derek on this podcast finally. I've been trying to get him on here for a while. And the reason for that is because Derek has been absolutely crushing it for quite some time. When we were hanging out in Chiang Mai, he was just absolutely killing it with his Teespring business, uh, doing multiple five figures a month. I think he got to the point where he was doing 30000 40000 a month. He was hiring six other digital nomads, and that business just exploded. He scaled it up within less than six months since he started it. And he's really, really good at identifying opportunities online that you can start earning money really quickly, scale up really quickly, and then really good at systemizing it and uh, scaling up your traffic through paid advertising. He's a firm believer in paid traffic. So I'm really super excited to chat with him. Derek shared so many valuable insights that I'm going to apply to my business, and I hope you get really I hope you become really inspired by this interview. Also, I've been getting a lot of emails from you guys, and I really enjoy them. If you like these podcast episodes, please go to our podcast channel on iTunes, subscribe if you haven't already, and write us a review. That would really be helpful as we try to expand our audience and reach more people. That will help us to keep going and bring on a bunch of really cool guests for you guys. So please go and do that if you have five minutes available. Thank you so much, and enjoy this episode with Derek. Hello, thanks for being here. My name is Danny Flood, and I'm joined by Derek Penkow. How are you doing, Derek? Doing great. How are you doing, Danny? Oh, I'm excellent. It's a nice, uh, sunny, hot day here in Thailand. How's it down there? It's gorgeous. I'm uh, hanging out at a co-working space. The waves background, uh, yeah, it just feels idyllic. Feels good. Tell me about the scene that you're looking out at right now. I'm in a hammock, staring up at a palm tree. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking. At. And there's the beach right behind me. And it just feels really nice. That's that's pretty much the uh, the dream there, isn't it? That we're all sold on. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so so tell me about your uh, backstory, though. You know, give me the the quick rundown and um, and how did you end up where you are now in Copenhagen? And um, I guess you also have travel plans to go to Bali, Japan, India, Africa this year. What got you started on this path? Mm, yeah. So. What got me started in this past, I actually started reading, someone left a copy of Rich Dad Poor Dad on my coffee table when I was like 13 or 14, uh, and I just read that book, and that got me thinking about entrepreneurship, and when I was 18, I got into, I started working for an information product company, um, got to, in my hands at Google AdWords, flip testing, copywriting, all that stuff, uh, and then I spent three or four years in the information product, and like workshops and seminars and physical, like in-person training, kind of that whole like teaching people things, um, and I did freelance work for a while, copywriting, content writing, um, various online marketing kinds of stuff, and then I got back, and then I started starting my own companies 
first in information products and then physical products. I've mostly been in physical products for the last couple of years. Uh, and I'm just now getting back into uh, information products. So, um, yeah, it's been about 10 years. Uh, I first got into the industry and uh, it's been really good. Yeah. You had entrepreneurial uh, inclinations ever since you read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when you were young. Uh, how did travel fit into the equation? How did what fit into the equation? Traveling, like uh, ah. digital nomad. Yeah. Um, so I was living in San Francisco at the time uh, when I was about 22 years old. And I had just kind of finished working for a information product company. And I really didn't want to get back into working for someone else. Um, and I was doing some freelance copywriting uh, at the time. And what I realized was that I really didn't have any geographical ties. Um, all my clients came from the internet. Um, and I was living in San Francisco, which is one of the most expensive places in the world. And I just thought, you know, I've always wanted to do this. And uh, now it seems like the perfect time when I don't have a family, don't have a girlfriend, don't have a job, um, and that it's something that I might not be able to do in the future. So I bought a one-way ticket to Thailand, and I thought the trip would be four to six months, and it ended up being a year and eight months. Um, and then I went back to the States for a year, and then I left again for another year and seven months. Um, and yeah, it just kind of something that I, was something that I thought I would just do for fun once has kind of turned into a much more consistent lifestyle. Uh, I just noticed I'm a lot happier and healthier and I have more fun. Um, and, uh, you know, like it costs a lot less to be outside of the United States. So it's become a preference rather than a one-time experience. Okay, so Derek, how long has it been since you've uh, been doing this kind of lifestyle? Hmm. Um, I think five five or six years about uh, since the first time I left the U.S. Okay, five or six years. So you've been at it for a while. And um, you mentioned that you got started with uh, information products. Uh, do, you, do you want to talk about that niche? Is that all right? Sure, yeah. Uh, so they're kind of like dating and confidence and, and those types of uh, products, right? Uh, as well as relationships and relationships. sex and that whole, yeah, that whole thing. What did you learn as a result of working with that company? Well, um, I worked with a bunch of different ones. So I worked with probably three different companies. Um, the first one was, I mean, I think I learned a lot of my internet marketing fundamentals at the first company. Um, they went from a pretty small company when I joined to like a pretty successful major, um, major company by the time I left. And I just got to witness that whole progression and kind of what it took to build a successful company, uh, what it took to build a successful information product company and got to participate in a lot of that stuff. particularly with the Google AdWords, I had a, like, I had a five figure a month budget at like 18 years old, um, to just run different kinds of tests and figure out how to, how to generate leads. So, um, yeah, so that's, that's what I learned in that first company was mostly the internet marketing stuff. And then on a personal level, um, learned a lot about confidence and conversation skills. Um, in the second company, I learned a lot more about relationship building, um, like how to work with affiliates, how to create products that people feel inspired by and want to stand behind and want to collaborate together on. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember I'd you say. mentioned to me uh, with the first company, you, they gave you uh, an AdWords for Dummies book and they're like, here, just read anything you can about it. And uh, you can be our AdWords manager, right? That's kind of how it started. 
Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, like in the early days of AdWords, there were really not that many people doing it. And, you know, we were getting clicks for like five cents. Um, so, yeah, it was like they're really like AdWords for Dummies is the best resource out there. It's like the only resource out there teaching this like fringe, you know, new Internet marketing strategy where you pay for every click. Uh, so it wasn't like, you know, like Perry Marshall and like all these guys that teach this kind of thing right now. They didn't really have stuff out there yet. So, yeah, we were just figuring it out with whatever resources we could find. And I think this has been kind of the foundation for uh, the success that would follow in your entrepreneurial career because um, I've noticed that you seem to be very analytical-driven uh, person, very analytical-driven entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, like even even when we got together and we were playing this game, this card game, Splendor, uh, it, it seemed like you, you took it you took it on pretty quickly. Like it was your first time playing, but we we split. I think uh, one match to one match. Mm-hmm. And um, just like you're very analytical, like you analyze uh, different, I guess, outcomes and um, you're really good at like picking the best solution, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that you did the same with your Amazon uh, FBA business that you started. Um, you just kind of look at the numbers, you run the numbers. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so tell me about like when you're taking on a new opportunity, when we met two years ago, you were doing Teespring. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how do you assess an opportunity and um, how do you go in with like a, a plan for success? Yeah, I think um, so how I assess an opportunity is I make sure to meet at least a couple people in person that can tell me what it's like in reality. Um, because everyone on the Internet, literally every sales letter on the Internet says something like how to make $20,000 a month in your sleep with very little work. Um, and there's testimonials and screenshots of earnings and all that stuff. So it's really hard to tell what actually works and what doesn't work based on online resources, just because everyone has an incentive to make it sound really easy and credible. Um, but the people you meet in person don't do that. So, um, for example, with Amazon, I talked to three to five, probably, yeah, probably like four different people about uh, what their Amazon business was like, how much money they needed to get started, how long did it take for them to start making money, um, what percentage of people do they think succeed and fail in that industry. Um, With Teespring, I think uh, I talked to two people before I launched the business. And again, yeah, I was like, what kind of skills do I need? How much money do I need to invest? What are my chances of success? Um, And getting like real, raw, honest answers from people that uh, I'd consider friends or acquaintances I think that's probably the best way I know of to evaluate a business opportunity. And I'd say, yeah, the two things that I really look at is um, how likely am I to succeed? How much money can it make? And I guess the third factor, depending on what I'm trying to build, is how passive can it be? So, um, yeah, I'd say those are the the kind of the factors that I look at when I'm evaluating an opportunity. Do you find these people in person through uh, co-working spaces? Can be. Um, Some of it's through conferences. Some of it's through co-working spaces. Uh, A lot of it's just like positioning myself in the entrepreneurial hubs. So Chiang Mai, Saigon, Copenhagen, Bali, uh, Medellin, Colombia, Berlin, Austin, Texas. Like these are all places where online entrepreneurs tend to um, tend to congregate. So just being there helps a lot, I think. And I guess that's that's made a big difference in your uh, career, I suppose, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, um, just feeding off that energy. Feeding off that energy, building you know a, a network of contacts. Like I literally 
I think like no matter what kind of business I want to get into, if I want to get into SEO, if I want to get into consulting, if I want to try and raise venture capital, like I know tons of people who've done just about everything now because I've, you know, every city I go to, there's another 40 to a hundred entrepreneurs that I can meet. And now that I've been doing it this five or six years, like literally any kind of business I get, get into, I have someone I can reach out to and ask for advice. So I think building that network is definitely important. Do you find it hard to get these people to share their business model with you? Not at all. No. I think most people are pretty eager, pretty happy to share. Um, yeah, I've, it's it's actually really rare that someone would say no. Okay, because I often meet like affiliate marketers and they, they say, oh, I tell people my business model and then they go and steal it or something. Yeah, affiliate marketing <laughs> is, is um, that's inherently kind of a shady field. And yeah. I think like... Um, I think people who are okay with like screwing other people over are more expecting to get screwed themselves. Um, but, uh, yeah, even in affiliate marketing, like I, I had a stint in affiliate marketing, uh, when I was, I don't know, I think I was maybe like 20 years old or so. Um, yeah, I mean, same thing. I found a couple people to, uh, just kind of tell me how the process works um, we were driving Google AdWords traffic in, uh, non U S countries to dating, uh, like online dating websites. Um, and it was good. I mean, I was making like $8,000 a month as a 20 year old. Um, and yeah, that, that whole strategy came from someone else. Um, and I don't know, it's, I think it's just, it's just like make friends, be cool. <laughs> and just, you know, like it, an affiliate marketer is not going to corner the market on every market there is, you know, like affiliate marketing is a process. Uh, you learn to drive paid traffic to an offer. You learn to optimize the paid traffic. You, uh, scale the things that work and you pull back the things that don't work. And that process is going to work across a ton of different things. So if someone's doing affiliate marketing, um, for weight loss products and he explains the process to me, I can go do it with dating products. Um, so I, I think the, it just comes down to like making a connection and then asking for advice. And yeah, there's sometimes people who are just going to be really secretive. And most of the time, those aren't the people that I want to hang out with anyway. And the, the kinds of people that are open and think there's abundance in the world rather than scarcity. Um, those are the kinds of people that I like to be around. And like, I think I tend to sur surround myself with, and those are the kinds of people that'd be happy to share what their process is and kind of have a positive assumption about me that I'm not going to go into their exact market and take away their customers. <laughs> so, so first you meet these people in person. Um, you try to find out what skills do I need? How passive can it be? Um, you've done, you've now done six figures with Teespring. You've done the same with physical products. You've launched a Udemy course and now you're finding success with Amazon FBA. Uh, so once, once you learn about this, you know, how quickly does it take you to go from idea to earning money and then scaling? It depends a lot on the business itself, I think. Um, okay. So with Teespring, it was um, it was first hearing about the idea, and then I spent about a week studying it. So uh, I took a couple of people out to dinner who had done it before. Uh, I got a few Facebook ads courses and just kind of really immersed myself in the world of paid traffic and t-shirt marketing and all that stuff. So I spent about a week studying. Uh, and then I spent about a week um, like just getting started, launching campaigns. And uh, at that time, I was actually pretty broke. I, I had maybe like, I had a few hundred dollars in my bank account. Uh, and I had, a, uh, I launched, I think, seven campaigns, seven t-shirt 
campaigns, and uh, one of them started doing really well, and I ran out of money. I was like, okay, so for every uh, every five hundred dollars I put into it, I'm making eight or nine hundred back, so I'm almost doubling my money, but I don't have enough money to double. So I had to go to my mom and borrow a thousand dollars. So wait, so when you, then, you started that business, you only had a couple hundred dollars in your bank account left. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh wow, well, and you were in Chiang Mai at that point, right? I was in Saigon. Oh, in Saigon. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so I borrowed a thousand bucks from my mom, and uh, yeah, that thousand dollars turned into two thousand dollars the next week, and then four thousand dollars the week after, and then eight thousand. Uh, so, so to answer your question, how long did it take? Uh, Teespring. Within about a month, I was making three thousand dollars. Within about three or four months, I was making ten thousand dollars a month, and within about six months, uh, I was making about thirty to forty thousand dollars a month. Um, the Amazon FBA took a lot longer. That that got to about $1,000 a month in three or four months. And then I just kind of let it sit because I was more busy doing Teespring. Uh, and then when I decided to come back and scale it up, it took another probably about five months to get that to making $5,000 a month or so. Uh, probably five or six months. Uh, so that was a longer time scale. Um, gotcha. Yeah, I've heard that it takes longer with uh, Amazon because it takes time to rake and uh, get your product noticed. Yeah, it takes time to source. It takes time to like, yeah. you know, if you contact a manufacturer in China, they send you a product that's going to take a week or two. If you have improvements, changes you need to make, that's going to take a couple of weeks. You know, them to manufacture the product and then ship it by boat to the United States, that's going to take a couple of months. And then for you, like, that's like before you can even start ranking, right? And then you got to get the reviews. And then once you get the reviews, it's going to take some time before you start ranking. Um, yeah, so Amazon FBA yeah. takes more time and it takes a lot more money. Uh, the thing that I think a lot of people don't, um, the, the main barrier to an- entry with Amazon isn't time. I think it's actually uh, capital. Um, I think it's a pretty capital intensive business. Okay. So when I met you, you were doing about, uh, 10 figures a month. I guess you were a few months into Teespring. I had no idea that you were, uh, you were down to your last 200, but that's, that's really funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not too long before that. Cause it seemed like you were doing really well at that point, but you were kind of, um, I guess cautiously optimistic. You were kind of cautiously going forward. Uh, in case someone doesn't know what Teespring is, um, it's a platform for selling uh, T-shirt designs. Is that right? And uh, people can mm-hmm. crowdfund your idea. Basically. Yeah, basically, it's like yeah. if you uh, have a T-shirt design, but you and you want to get it printed and sell it online, but you don't want to carry the inventory. You don't want to like print a hundred shirts and take the risk that the hundred shirts doesn't sell. Teespring is the way to do it. So. Uh, you upload your design, and they'll collect orders for you for over the course of a week or two. And then once all the co- orders are co- collected, they'll print it all at once and send it to all your customers. Okay, and you actually have a Udemy course uh, called Launch on Teespring, how I, how I Make Six Figures Selling T-Shirts. Is it possible we could get a uh, some kind of coupon code for that? For Sure, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, uh, I don't have it made right now, but I'm sure we could do, make that happen, yeah. Okay, awesome. Yeah, so... Um, and you also, you mentioned that you, I think you mentioned before that you outsourced all of the designs. Yes. Um, okay. So actually the first two weeks, um, actually realistically, like, like the first couple months, I did a lot of the design work myself. Um, and a lot of these were really basic. They were just like text on a t-shirt that was kind of funny. So um, something like, uh, just in plain text, um, I am a, I'm an electrical engineer. Uh, to save time, let's just assume I'm always right. Um, and that, that converted pretty well for a while. Um, so I did a lot of the basic design work in the beginning. And then at a certain point, it made a lot more sense to just outsource that. Um, and the way I did that was actually I hired people around me 
um, in the co-working spaces in Chiang Mai. So I built a team of, I think, five people um, in pun space in Chiang Mai. And yeah, that was all just from meeting people in person and saying like, hey, do you want to, do you want to work together? Um, a lot of these people are building their own companies, but they aren't making money yet. So um, having, <laughs> you know, they'd work for me for from like 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. and then work on their own businesses from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. or whatever. Um, yeah, that's was, a great yeah, point. Good quite, quite a lot of people are in that situation, I think. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So that's cool. I mean, I love how, how quickly you scale this up. Can you tell me about that? Like, uh, it was all just through paid advertising because you're a big proponent of uh, paid advertising and Facebook advertising. Huge. Yeah, I'm yeah. a huge believer in paid advertising. I think like, I think paid advertising is one of the fastest ways to both test a new business and to scale a business. Um, I mean, to go from to to go from like zero to and so when when I say we were making thirty forty thousand dollars a month, that means our sales were over a hundred k on some months. Um, so 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 to go from zero in sales to over a hundred k in sales uh, in five or six months, I think is virtually impossible with. Uh, with like just word of mouth or search engine optimization or like any of these like slower free kind of traffic methods, it just doesn't work. Um, so so much, I think how much were you spending on advertising? Cause you're making between 30 to 40 K. Um, um, that's, that's it, gross, right? Uh, no, that's, that was, that was, uh, that was net before paying employees. So oh, okay. after, after ad spend was yeah, 30, 40 K a month. Okay. Um, let's see how much were we spending? Uh, it really depends. Um, the the most I ever spent in a thirty day period I think was sixty eight thousand um, dollars, yeah. So, but yeah, sometimes it was ten twenty k, sometimes it was fifty sixty k. The that sixty eight thousand dollar month was right around Christmas, so that was you know an abnormally high number. Um, but yeah, I'd say uh, on average through the Teespring series, maybe like between ten to thirty thousand dollars a month, something like that. Okay, fantastic. So. When people come to you uh, asking for advice, like, you know, Derek, how can I do this? You know, if I'm interested in Teespring, uh, what's, what's some of the advice? What are some of the questions that you get asked often and what kind of advice do you give to people? You know, right now I really don't recommend getting into Teespring anymore because it's, it's just gotten, it's gotten pretty difficult for, like, beginners. Um, mm-hmm. I would recommend getting into Teespring only if they have a lot of Facebook ads experience or Google AdWords experience is okay, too. But it's just gotten extremely competitive, um, extremely competitive. And um, the the strategy now has kind of evolved. A lot of people are going deep into markets instead of wide. Um, so instead of you know selling to 100 different markets, people are building real websites, real Facebook pages, real email lists um, in like one or two markets and building that relationship with the customer. And not just selling T-shirts, but also selling their own physical products, information products, et cetera. So it's become less about the T-shirts now and more about, um, like, just old, old online marketing and T-shirts, just the front end of the funnel. Um, so what I'm, what I'm trying to say is uh, I think the business model has gotten more complex and less beginner-friendly. So, um, yeah, and that's kind of one of the reasons why it's important to, to meet people who've done it because a lot of people selling T-shirt, you know, Info, pro- info products won't tell you that, but the, yeah, my opinion is that now it's uh, it's gotten harder. Um, and there's certain people that I'd say, yeah, sure, go for it. If you know they've been a Facebook ads consultant for the last year, then I would say there's totally an opportunity there. But to to start from having zero Facebook ads experience to being successful in Teespring is much more difficult today than it was six or twelve months ago. 
what's the best way to get a lot of hands-on Facebook ads experience? And uh, can you share with me the process that uh, worked really well for you? Sure. Um, so, hmm. Do you feel comfortable telling me that? Cause, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel totally comfortable. I'm just I'm trying to figure out uh, something that's applicable to most people because um, for me it was a little different because I'd already had a good amount of Google AdWords experience. Um, even, and, even examples are good, you know, if, uh, show us what's possible here. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I think pay, all, all of paid traffic is actually kind of similar in many ways. Um, so because I had that, um, Google AdWords experience, I was able to learn Facebook ads faster, but my overall process for learning Facebook ads was to get maybe two or three different courses and just go through all the courses and then just get started selling, selling stuff. Um, yeah, I think hands-on experience is really the way to go. Um, so I don't really know what the best way to get hands-on experience is, uh, working for a company is how I did it. Uh, freelance, you know, being a freelance, uh, Facebook ads consultant is another way to do it or just picking a product and starting to sell it. Um, you know, whether it's a, uh, an information product or a physical product or a affiliate product, uh, you have to be pretty careful with the affiliate stuff. Uh, a lot of that stuff can get you banned from Facebook, but, um, yeah, just like, if you have a information product idea, then put together, you know, if you're, if you're, if your information product is a $70 product, then just put together a $5 version of it, um, and just sell that first. So, uh, just to, just to try your hands at the traffic and see if you can get it to convert. Um, if you're doing physical products, t-shirts, whatever, um, yeah, just put something up, send some traffic, see if you can get it to convert. Don't worry if you're going to lose, like if you're losing money, that's fine. Just like see if you can get some conversions going. I'd say that's kind of the process that I went through. Do you always uh, send them to a landing page or can people send them to like, uh, I, I mean not a landing page, do you always send them to an opt-in page or can you send them to a sales page? Depends a lot. Um, yeah. So with Teespring, I always send them straight to the sales page. That's what was working for the majority of people. Uh, for information products, like right now I'm launching the travel hacking course, that goes straight to uh, email opt-in. And then uh, that goes to a $5 product, which upsells to a $50, $60 product. So I, so I guess, so I think what you're asking is like, what is the structure of a high converting funnel? And it actually depends entirely on what you're doing. So, uh, so t-shirt marketing tends to do really well when you go straight to the t-shirt. Information products tend to do well when you go to, from cold traffic to opt-in to tripwire to core product to upsell. And then uh, there's all kinds of other funnels as well. There's a uh, direct webinar sign-up page. So if you're selling a two or $3,000 um, coaching program or course, then you're probably going to have to do a live webinar. And those tend to convert best if you, yeah, you just send them straight to the, to the webinar registration page. Um, and then you have straight to VSL, um, which I think that a lot of people are doing that in the coaching world right now. Um, so yeah, I think the, the type of funnel that you use, um, you just kind of need a uh, talk to other people in the industry and see what works, what kind of funnel works best and kind of just copy that as a, as a starting point. Look at who the leader is in the industry and then copy that. Yeah. Or look at who okay. the top five are, what they're doing, uh, <laughs> especially the ones that are doing paid traffic. So if you're going to do Facebook ads, see what other people who are doing Facebook ads are doing in your industry and just copy the structure of their funnel. And then, and then you just target a different niche or you find a way to be a little bit more unique. Is that, yeah, I mean, <laughs> don't reinvent yeah. the wheel, basically. Yeah, don't don't reinvent the wheel. Like, uh, if you're if you're doing a um, a six month coaching program, teaching people 
um, how, how to, I don't know, how to launch a coaching business, for example, you can totally copy um, someone else's funnel that teaches people how to run a Facebook consulting business or teaches uh, restaurant owners how to uh, boost their business. So basically what I'm saying is um, there's specific kinds of funnels that convert better for kinds of products, and it doesn't matter what market they're targeting. Does that make sense? So if you're doing a two to $5,000 coaching business, then there's a specific kind of funnel that tends to work. If you're doing a 50 to $500 information product, then there's a specific kind of funnel that tends to work for that. Um, so you just need to figure out what that is and uh, kind of imitate that. Okay, gotcha. So tell me about this travel hacking um, course. Tell me the name and uh, walk me through your process here. Um, the process for launching the business? Um, yeah, so you're, you're going to have uh, Facebook ads. I guess you're targeting what people who love to travel, uh, things like this. Then you're going to you're going to send them to a landing page. Uh, you have a fifty dollar product. Then you have a webinar, and then a higher price consulting. Is that right? No. Uh, so so uh, close, but um, okay, okay. So the name the name is Fly Free Academy. Fly Free Academy. And okay. uh, the process for launching it was I first built the the five dollar product, which is what's called a tripwire. A tripwire is a is a product that is a fraction, uh, like a small part of your main product. And the idea is that if you can get someone to buy a low-priced item from you, it'll change their uh, relationship with you permanently. So once they buy a $5 product from you, they are now a customer of yours. And psychologically for them, they're much more likely to buy a second product than if they hadn't bought that $5 product. So what a lot of people find is that instead of sending them from Facebook ads to a $50 product, if they send them from Facebook ads to a $5 product and then upsell the $50 product, because you change their relationship with you on a low-priced item, they're much more likely to buy the higher-priced item. Um, so that's called a tripwire. So what I did was I built the tripwire first and the opt-in page, and I just started sending traffic. And what my thought process is I want to prove the market. I want to prove that people are willing to pay for this kind of information, first of all. And second of all, I want to prove that um, it's something that Facebook ads is okay with me running. So, you know, to get free plane tickets sounds a little, sounds just a little bit scammy. It's not, it totally works. Uh, but you know, I was, I was a little worried that Facebook ads wouldn't approve the ad. So, uh, I wanted to test those two things to test a, are people willing to pay for the information and B will Facebook ads let me run the traffic. And I built that whole thing in about two weeks. Um, because yeah, so the goal here is to minimize my, uh, investment if it doesn't work out. Uh, so then I ran the test and in about three or four hours and made two sales on the tripwire, got a bunch of email opt-ins and kind of proved to me that people are willing to pay for this information. And that, uh, it, I would say that test was uh, pretty successful. So then I paused the traffic and I, I've spent the last two months building the main course, um, recording a bunch of audios, having the videos edited, going to have a beta tester group to just go through everything and let me know what's confusing and, or, and what needs to be changed. And then, uh, once that's ready, I will launch with the whole funnel via Facebook ads, uh, using Facebook video ads, because that's converting a lot better and a lot cheaper than uh, just the normal image ads today. Um, and yeah, hopefully that'll that'll all go off without a hitch. We'll see. Um, but yeah, that's kind of the process that I used, was mm -hmm. launch using, uh, launch, launch as quickly as possible to prove the idea cheaply, and then build everything out after that once the idea was proven. Yeah, I just opted in for your, uh, your funnel, by the way. Uh, it's at flyfreeacademy.com. And um, it's, yeah. a, it's a really simple landing page, uh, really clean. Uh, you know, just put the benefit there. Free video, how to book a flight anywhere in the world for twenty dollars. 
and you just watch a five minute video. Uh, so, so now that you have everything set up, you're gonna start advertising. Um, how, how soon do you predict that you can get this to a five figure a month business if it all works out? Um, I'd say from launch, probably about two months. Um, it just all depends on how well it's converting. Uh, the, there's a few different layers to the market. There's like the hardcore travel people. So, um, people who do nothing but think about travel and there's maybe about a uh, hundred thousand people in the U S that I can target for that. Um, and then once I'm converting those successfully, I can use that data to try and target the much larger travel community. So people who like the lonely planet, people who like, uh, the travel channel, people who read travel and leisure magazine, uh, there's probably a couple million people or like, yeah, there's probably a couple million people in the U S that I can target for that. Um, so the, I think the trick to getting to like really big numbers with this business is converting the larger audience. I think I can definitely convert the hardcore travel fanatics already. Um, but getting to converting, um, a much wider audience, uh, that'll be, if I can do that, that'll be where the, you know, the, the million dollar business is. Um, so yeah, I don't know how quickly can I get to five figures a month? I think pretty quickly. Like even if I just convert the smaller, more passionate market, I think that's probably five figures a month in sales, at least, uh, if not in profit. Um, so I think I can hit yeah. that assuming everything goes well in a couple months after launch. That's great. So five figures in two months. I mean, I think a lot of people would be happy with that. <laughs> Uh, do, do you, so when they sign up and they, uh, you offer them a tripwire, do you like sell them pretty hard in the first, I guess, four or five emails? Because that's when the open rates tend to be highest. Yeah. Um, I actually haven't written the emails yet. A lot of the, so the tripwire sales mostly right now come directly after people, uh, watch the video. So the video, um, explains how travel hacking works, how they can get free flights, using frequent flyer miles and then tells them if you want to learn the specifics of how you can earn these miles, then, you know, buy this item for $5. Um, and then once they buy the thing for $5, then they're offered the, the opportunity to buy the, the full course, which explains how to redeem miles, how to maintain your credit score, um, how to make sure you're earning the right kinds of miles so you can fly to the places you want. Just kind of explains the whole landscape uh, of frequent flyer travel. So, um, so as what I'm trying to say is most, most of the sales actually right now come directly from the click. So rather than from the follow-up, uh, that's not a good thing. Actually, I need to have a lot more emails written. Um, but I just haven't actually done that yet. Yeah, it's great stuff, man. I mean, I'm, I'm learning a lot from how you're doing this, how you're, you're approaching this because, um, I kind of get, you know, half of the funnel set up, you know, where I'll have the front end products and then I'll have a back end product, uh, but then I, it kind of stops there, and then I need to kind of get more traffic too, and I need to uh, get more sales of the higher ticket stuff. I need to create that stuff too. Um, so I think this is this is good stuff here. Uh, for someone you know who wants to to learn how to, to drive a lot of traffic the way that you are, uh, you've mentioned uh, you mentioned to me privately some some good paid advertising uh, podcasts. Uh, can you recommend some other resources for people? Sure. Yeah. The, the two ones that I follow are the art of paid traffic and perpetual traffic. Those two will explain the strategies really, really well. Um, and they're also really up to date because most Facebook ads courses are people create the course and they, they sell it for you know, three or four years and the information goes out of date, but, uh, but they don't really update the course. So, uh, yeah, these podcasts are great for just staying up to, up to date on everything as well as getting the mindset for that. Uh, unfortunately, I think the main thing that 
they're missing is um, in podcast format, there's a lot of things that are hard to see because Facebook ads can be a little bit visual. You know, the, looking at targeting data and audience data and all that kind of stuff um, can be more of a visual experience. So I think Perry Marshall's Facebook ads course and Tanner Larson's Facebook ads course, if you want to buy a course, are probably good options to actually see visually how the targeting system works uh, and how to find uh, different markets to target. Um, but yeah, for learning the mindset and to stay up to date on what's working, uh, I would say the art of paid traffic and perpetual traffic, both of those are really good resources. And honestly, if you just listen to all those podcast episodes, you could probably just figure it out. Um, the visual interface is not that hard. Facebook has designed it pretty well. Um, so yeah, you could probably just figure out how to do it in a day or two. So, and, and you're bigger on Facebook ads versus Google ads, right? Yeah. So, okay. So I'd say the difference. So Google AdWords, you are fulfilling demand. Um, you know, if someone types in, um, Austin plumber, that means they have a demand because their pipe broke and they need someone to fix their pipe, right? With Facebook ads, you're creating demand. So someone doesn't know my t-shirt exists. They're not looking for a t-shirt about, uh, they're not looking for a t-shirt for engineers, but an awesome t-shirt is presented to them in their Facebook feed. And they're like, oh, wow, I would love to have that. Uh, so you're creating demand that didn't exist there before. Um, what that means is that, so the number of people who are typing engineer shirt into Google is very, very small, but the number of engineers in the United States is really large. And if you can create something that'll appeal to that entire market, you know, you can make a ton of money. Um, so there's, there's things that can, that do better on Google AdWords and things that do better on Facebook ads. Basically, anything that you can appeal to a wide market on that they'd be interested in right away on, uh, uh, Facebook ads is good. Anything that uh, requires a pre-existing demand or is something that people only buy at one point in time, uh, you need to use Google AdWords. So, for example, I had the foosball. I had a business selling foosball tables uh, drop shipped. Um, that's the kind of thing that would only work on Google AdWords because even if you're a huge Facebook, even if you're a huge foosball table fanatic, you love playing foosball you're really only going to buy a foosball table once every five to 10 years. So if I show you an ad in Facebook uh, for a foosball table, I'm just not going to catch you at the right time. But if you're in Google AdWords typing in, if, or if you're in Google search typing in uh, tornado foosball table 3000, then you know I know that's the item you're looking for right now at that point in time uh, so that I can present you with an ad and get you to purchase that product. So um, yeah, so I think they're actually completely different ad platforms. Facebook is for creating demand. Uh, if you can create something that would be would appeal to an entire market, Google AdWords is for fulfilling demand, especially if it's something that people would only be interested in at a specific point in time as a customer. Uh, and then YouTube ads, I'd say, is another major contender that a lot of people don't talk about. Uh, YouTube ads uh, work similarly to, to Facebook ads. You're creating an ad that goes in front of an audience designed to create demand for people who weren't looking for something uh, necessarily right at that moment. Um, although sometimes they are, you know, they might be typing in something like how to use after effects and you can put your ad in front of that, but there's a ton of traffic on YouTube ads and it's really, really cheap right now as well. Uh, so a lot of people are not taking advantage of YouTube ads. Uh, Pinterest ads convert really well. There's not a, not a ton of traffic there though. So, uh, it converts from what I've heard, it converts like 10 times higher than Facebook ads, but you just can't spend more than a thousand dollars a month on it. So you can't get, the, get the same kind of scale, but in terms of ROI, Pinterest ads can be good to look into. And Instagram ads, I don't think a lot of people are, I haven't heard of many people having much success with it, uh, but you get that through the Facebook ad platform. So uh, I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but basically there's two kinds of platforms. There's uh, demand creating and demand fulfilling, and you just have to make sure that you're playing in the right domain for whatever business you're in. 
Yeah, that's a great point, man. You, you offered a bunch of great insights there. And um, I feel like with Google, people are kind of towards the end of the buying process. So uh, a plumber, for example, doesn't have to create like a landing page and a follow-up. I mean, they just have to list their phone number, basically. Uh, right. A restaurant, you know, if someone's looking for a restaurant, they just have to put their maps address, perhaps, and maybe have like a few nice reviews. Uh, but to create demand, I imagine that must be must, that must be harder because they don't realize that they need something. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's why you really have to be focused on the, the customer profile, their their psychographics, what they're really interested in, um, and then it, I imagine it's just straight AI DA from there. You get their attention first with the ad, uh, then they come to your page, you spark their interest, uh, desire action. So um, yeah, yeah, pretty pretty straightforward then. So you you run about I guess four or five different ads, and then once you you find a winner, you just pour more money into that. Is that how it works? Yes. Um, I, I, in terms of targeting, um, so I usually test the targeting before I test the ad. Um, I think that's more important. So I'll actually just run one ad. Uh, sometimes I'll run two. Um, but yeah, I'll run one or two ads, but I'll test the targeting first. So usually I'll test different categories of things. So I'll have one ad group, uh, that just has all the magazines in the industry. So let's say I'm, let's say we're doing golf, for example, I'd have all the golf magazines under one group. I'd have all the golf websites under another group. I'd have all the golf equipment brand names under another group. I'd have all the third-tier famous golf players. So, like, you don't want to target Tiger Woods because a bunch of people who aren't golf fanatics are going to like Tiger Woods. But if you target, like, uh, like the the ranked 11th player uh, in the last, um, I don't know, golf tournament, in the last semi-famous golf tournament, then... uh, then the only people who are, going to, who are going to like that person are the hardcore golf fanatics. So I target the semi-famous but not too famous people in another group. Um, and so basically what I'm doing is I'm just creating five or six different groupings of interests and targeting to, uh, to test. And then I'll run that traffic with, which, with just one or two ads. Um, and then I'll see which groupings convert the best. So let's say that we, we find out that uh, equipment brand names and um, magazines convert the best. Then once I have the targeting down, I'll go ahead and create a bunch of different ads and test those ads and see which get the higher clicks and get the higher, uh, conversion rates. So that's kind of the process I go through. Excellent. Good stuff. And you mentioned, uh, some other ads like, uh, YouTube ads, Pinterest ads. Uh, can people find out about that stuff if they listen to some of these podcasts that you mentioned, uh, art of paid traffic, perpetual traffic, can you get pretty up to speed on that? Uh, definitely on YouTube ads, Pinterest ads. I think People touch on briefly, but uh, not a ton of information. Ezra Firestone has a pretty good course about uh, Pinterest ads. I'd say the, that's probably the best resource for learning the, the Pinterest ad system. Uh, sorry, what was that? One more time. Uh, Ezra Firestone has Ezra a pretty Firestone. good course about Pinterest about Pinterest ads. Okay. Yeah. Just took a note of that. Um, well, awesome, man. You've given me a great, uh, bunch of great ideas uh, for how I can improve my funnels. I mean, I have a couple of, I mean, I've got a bunch of books out there uh, as lead sources, and I have, uh, you know, like the $50 product that you mentioned, the $30, $20 product. Um, and then, I guess, uh, with your travel hacking course, for example, what is your uh, high-end product going to be, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so I'm doing things a little differently where I, I think with travel hacking, it's actually pretty difficult to have a high-end product because you know these people uh, are buying the course because they want to save money. Uh, they want to be able to travel without spending much money on plane tickets and other things. So it's a very budget-conscious 
uh, group. So I don't think spending, I don't think building a $2,000 product is what makes sense. Um, that said, yeah. like what I'm, my plan is to launch a bunch of different things towards that audience. Uh, so I have a couple of physical products I'm building out. Um, one's a foldable pull-up bar that, uh, lets people travel and do pull-ups, uh, and keep fit. Another one, um, is, uh, a, um, like it's an improvement on the existing TSA approved bottles. Uh, a lot of those leak today. So I'm designing that right now. Um, and yeah, another one is, uh, is another course that teaches people how to do freelance writing while they're traveling. Because uh, um, I did that for a year and a half, and a lot of people who want to travel indefinitely will have uh, difficulty making money while on the road. And writing is one of the best ways to do that. So I think that'll probably be like a, I'm guessing that'll be like a $200 course that teaches people how to get clients, how to, how to, how to be a travel writer. Um, yeah, so I, th- I have a bunch of other um, products that I can sell the audience once, um, once they once the list is at a certain size um, and each of those can stand alone as well and funnel people back to this product. So the travel hacking course will have its own Facebook ads funnel towards people who are writers or want to learn to be writers. Uh, and then uh, for the people who are interested in traveling, it'll send them back to this course. And likewise, the physical products um, can also stand alone. You know, they'll have their own marketing channels. They'll be on Amazon. They'll be in retail stores um, and all of them will generate their own standalone uh, traffic as well as funnel some of that traffic back to the first business. Great stuff. So it seems like what you're, at, what you're after here is you just want to build that mailing list and then you have different things to market to them. Right, exactly, yeah. Yeah, so, so how big are you looking to get that, mark, uh, that mailing list to, I guess, in like two or three months? In two or three months? Uh, I don't have a goal for that. I think I could probably get build it to like... 50 to 80,000 in a year. Um, that's just a guess. I don't know. Okay. Uh, um, yeah. And then once, once it's that point, once it's to that size, you can pretty much do anything you want with it, right? It's pretty easy to monetize. Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, I think, I think the, the key for me is I want to use the list to launch like related businesses and products rather than just, rather than just monetize the list. You know, a lot of people, they have an email list and they just off, they just start mailing affiliate offers. And um, I think there's a lot more that can be done with an email list than just uh, try to make the most money as you can for each mailing. Um, I think you can really use it as a platform to launch physical products, to launch blogs, to launch information products. Um, yeah, so I want to use the list to, to launch a lot of other things as well, is what I'm saying. But that's definitely what should come first, I guess, in this model is that you should get that list first and then you can do all the blogging and then you can do all the other stuff. Uh, but yeah. first, first you have to build your audience. Yeah, I think blogging is actually a terrible business model. for, for Like it's the most <laughs> common business model people get into and I think it's one of the worst business models in the world. Uh, unless you have, like if you have a, a launching platform to do it from, if you have an email list of 50,000 people, then like launching a blog is going to be much much easier but for most people who just start from nothing and try to build a blog i think it's like just a horrible idea yeah i think it's because well, well a couple of things i mean they don't have like a an existing business model in mind i guess or a business mm-hmm. model that they want to put in place and they kind of a lot of people start blogging as like a hobby yeah. and i think a lot of people who start blogging like um they kind of back into it you know they don't really have uh capital to start anything so they just they just start putting stuff out there yeah, um, and it, it takes a really long time to to build that up that way. <laughs> it takes a long time, and yeah. you don't have a feedback cycle. Like 
like with Facebook ads, I can launch something and I'll know if it's working in like three days and I can make improvements and I can start making money in like a week with blogging. It's like, I think this is a good topic. I'm going to take six months to build out content and spend, you know, a ton of time, energy, and some money to like, see if this works. And you know, the vast majority of blogs don't work. So then I'll find that out in like nine months and then go and do something else. It's just the, the feedback cycle is ridiculous. Yeah, it's true. But I found that, um, you know, one caveat is, uh, I have a Facebook page and I can post like a specific blog post on my Facebook page and I can boost it. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's one way to, to get feedback quickly with a blog is, um, like I will write a post about like a certain life hack or something, and then I'll see I can look at the data from the the sponsored post and see that like this post got a disproportionate amount of clicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that's one way to to see what you know test your content to to get it in front of people quickly. That you can combine it with uh, some paid advertising like boosted posts. And, totally. And if people are getting if you're getting a lot of clicks for that post, then you have an idea that you know maybe I could build a product around this. Uh, so. That is one way, like, you know, if you just create, like, yeah, if you create a blogger on a specific topic, yeah, obviously that's going to take a long time. That's going to take, uh, you know, nine, ten months. But if you just create, like, a specific post and then you can instantly put that out there, you can boost it, uh, spend some dollars on it, uh, then that's, that's more way to get a lot, uh, a lot of rapid feedback, I think. Yeah, I agree. And I think um, the intersection of paid traffic and content uh, is something that's that's been getting a lot of attention lately and is actually a model that works really, really well for a lot of businesses. Um, Digital Marketer, the guys who put on Traffic and Conversion Summit, um, and they actually created the Perpetual Traffic podcast as well. They're huge into that. They, they, they use paid traffic to build massive email lists uh, and then use that to launch um, SEO properties. So um, so they, they always start with paid traffic and they might just run with paid traffic for the first six months, nine months. Uh, but then once they have an email list, they buy a really authoritative domain. So they might buy sewing.com or survivallife.com, something that's like really powerful and authoritative. And then they drive, they create really, really high quality content. And then they, they just drive a bunch of traffic to it from the email list and from using paid traffic. Uh, and then Google can see the qual- quality of the content from Chrome. So if you have 20,000 Chrome users who go to the web page and they stick around on the website for 10 minutes and read a bunch of articles, then Google knows that that's an authoritative website and they start ranking it really, really quickly. Um, so I got to see some of the, that company stats when I was at the conference. And I mean, they're driving like tens of millions of dollars uh, every, like, or hundreds of millions of visits, I think, per year uh, and t- many tens of millions of dollars in revenue. And they don't do any backlinking. They don't do any link building. This is the only strategy they use is they build email lists and then they build really high quality websites and use the email list as a um, as the driver for getting the websites ranked really quickly. How do the mailing lists uh, improve the SEO is what I'm wondering. Because, um, because Google, well, one is Google, Google Chrome, because uh, Google can see users' behavior data. Um, so if, if I have Chrome and I go to your website, Google knows exactly what I'm doing on your website, right? And they're looking at specific metrics. They're looking at bounce rate, scroll rate, how, the time I spend on the website, uh, basically they're looking at these different metrics that say like, is this is this a website that people spend time on? Is it something that people will read uh, from top to bottom on this page? Is it uh, something that people will click on, you know, different different parts of the website to learn more about this subject? Uh, so Google can use these metrics to tell whether your website is a high quality website or a low quality website, uh, and whether um, people actually value the stuff that you're putting out there based on the the data that they, that they get from. Uh, Google Chrome, and I think from Google Analytics as well. 
Um, so those are just kind of some of the ways Google actually gets a lot of data about um, how users browse the web uh, from Google Chrome and from uh, other resources as well. And uh, the volume of traffic you get is another factor. So if you have you know, 30, 40,000 visitors coming to your website and they're spending a lot of time on your website um, and having just good behavior metrics on your website, that'll help you rank a lot. Okay, so in one word, it's all about engagement, I guess. Uh, they're they're yes. studying how, how people engage with the site, and then they're, they're sending a lot of really engaged uh, traffic in bulk, and that helps them to gain authority really quickly. Exactly, yeah. Um, are, there, are there any like uh, tips or strategies that you learned to, I guess, increase that engagement once uh, people are on the site? On, I mean, on-page on engagement? You know, um, I haven't actually spent much time building out content websites. Um, I know a lot more about how to build high converting funnels and how to convert paid traffic uh, to paying customers. But yeah, building high engagement uh, content websites. I, I would say I'm not the person to talk to about that yet, okay. maybe in a couple of years. <laughs> so I guess, I guess my theory would be just putting content people want out there. Uh, just, just putting out content that people are really interested in, that your market's really interested in, they'll, they'll stick around. and Yeah, putting content people want. Excellent. Yeah, and I think good design has a lot to do with it, too. Yeah, so really good design, good content. Well, thank you, Derek, so much for this, uh, this great interview. I mean, uh, we packed a lot in, and I was thinking back to how I actually, I actually first did meet you in Saigon. I couldn't remember how we first met, and um, I was looking for a condo in Ho Chi Minh City at the time, and uh, I remember you were there uh, with a couple others. Well, well, anyway, um, congratulations on your success, you know, going from where you were, uh, you know, with the last $200 left to multiple six-figure businesses, and um, it's really impressive, man. You've done that in a short time, and uh, congratulations on that success, and thank you so much for sharing everything you've learned with us. Thanks, Ben. Uh, yeah, my pleasure, and uh, good luck to everyone who's listening. Is there anything else that uh, you wanted to leave us with, or anything you wanted to sign off with? I think just um, to just do stuff quickly, um, like just um, take a lot of action, design tests that can succeed or fail in a short time span, and um, yeah, just 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 make stuff happen. Like it literally shouldn't take you more than two or three weeks to test a new idea, and then you know scaling that idea to where it's making a lot of money might take a few months. But yeah, just step taking the first step. And finding an idea and testing the idea, validating it, seeing if it has legs, uh, I think, yeah, you could do that in two or three weeks. So just uh, just start taking a lot of action and start testing your ideas. I'd say that's probably the last thing I would leave with. Yeah, it's great advice. So many people spend a lot of time just building something and then, um, you know, they still haven't made a sale. They still haven't given, uh, provided traffic to their idea or their business. And it's kind of a backwards way to do it. Um, and in your process, I mean, there's only a few steps here. There's three or four steps where you... Uh, you come up with an idea, you create like a $5 tripwire, as you said, uh, put up a landing page with, I guess, lead pages, something simple like that, and um, maybe like a few follow-up emails and just see if it's converting. And you can get all that work done in two, three weeks and uh, realize if you have a, a viable business model. Exactly. Excellent. Thank you so much, Derek. Uh, go enjoy the beach out there. I can hear the waves now. It sounds amazing. Thanks, man. Good talking to you, Danny. It's quite a soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, buddy. Take care, buddy.